So we're continuing on talking about patience. And I shared with, you know, a couple weeks ago, the, the Lord shared with me the, just one word that we encounter they're trying to deal with patience, and that's detours. Am I, am I doing something wrong this morning as far as am I standing in the wrong spot? <laughs> Anything I can do, let me know. But patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. It's trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. I was talking about long-suffering. Patience means long-suffering. And it means just that, long-suffering. But we also talked about there's another meaning behind that that means long-tempered. It means to have a long fuse. Just uh, trying to catch just a quick review here of everything to get us going back up. I shared several scriptures that I think sometimes we go into our Christian walk after we accept Christ our Lord and Savior. We think everything's going to be just easy, cheesy, and everything's good from there on. There is a lot of good, but the Bible tells us it's not going to be an easy walk. It's not going to be an easy road. First Peter 5, 6, it says, But may the God of our grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, then may he perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you. But after you have suffered a little while. But also told us that when we persevere that, when we endure that, he's got a lot of blessings for us. Psalms 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he has strength in your heart. Philippians, or Psalms 37, 7 through 9 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And Isaiah tells us, blessed are those who wait for him. Again in Isaiah, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Lamentations, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. There is a lot of blessings on the other end of waiting. There's a blessing at the end of your detour. No matter what it may be, if we endure, there's a blessing there. Talked about a GPS. And I used it, you know, as our, our Bible is, is our GPS. It's God's perfect solution in our lives. When we, when we look at the Bible, when we search it with all of our heart, that's God's solution. That's our GPS. <clears throat> I shared with you a, a personal story for us when we had got on a detour one time on a trip. And at first we was all worried because we just, we knew we wasn't on the right road. It wasn't the same road we come in at. We was just completely doubting what was going on, but it turned out that that detour was one of the greatest moments of our trip. That's what God does if we allow him. If we come to the point when we look back and we say, God, I've trusted you this far. You've got me to this point. I believe and I trust you're going to get me the rest of the way. When you come to that point, when you come to that realization, then the detour becomes worth the wait. I was, just yesterday, the Lord kind of showed me this. If you don't know an area very good, um, take the, the Shelby Road, for instance. If you just come to town, there's that new cutoff road. If you don't know that, say you're going to pull out a Home Depot 
and you're going to come to the church, the logical explanation is to make a left out of Home Depot because that used to be the only way to go. That was the main way. And we do that in our lives sometimes. We get headstrong. We know the way. We know where we're going. We've got our mindset, but God says, I've got a better way. It may not seem right, but turn right today. Turn right this morning instead of turning left. I've got a quicker way. I've got a better way if you'll trust in me. Don't give, a lot of times God's way is not a quicker way, though, but you can trust it will be a better way. The wait is for a reason. Joyce Meyer said, "Patient is not simply the ability. Patience is not simply the ability to wait, but it's how you act while you're waiting. While we're waiting, we should be preparing. We should be expecting." We should be gathering together. We should be looking. We should be searching. In other words, we should be accepting the detour that God's decided for us. Not to be fighting it, not to be struggling against it. A.W. Tozer, I shared this last week. I'm going to share just a part of it this morning. It says, problems patiently endured will work for our spiritual perfecting. They harm us only when we resist them or endure them unwillingly. So there's a wrong way. If God's putting a detour in your life, trust it. Jonah went 2,500 miles in the opposite direction of God's plan for his life talking about a detour but that was one that he chose for himself he didn't trust the road that God had for him it looked too rough it looked too rocky it went against his plan a lot of us do that we got our mind set we've got our way set but when God shows us something else we'll run 2500 miles in the opposite direction Except the, God's direction for us and his plan for our life. You guys know that didn't turn out so well for Jonah. He ended up in a pretty dark place for a few days. And we don't even know all the details. want to, we're going to, Go back and I want to look, explore the life of Joseph this morning. Going to be in Genesis 37. This is a, it's, it's a long story. So there's a lot, several chapters there, so a lot of it I'm going to be just jumping through, so bear with me. But Joseph had a lot of detours in his life. But I think he's a good example for us to look at and trusting those detours, and doing what God wants us to do during those times. Verse 37, verse, chapter 37, verse 2 says, this is the history of Jacob. So Joseph being 17 years old, remember that number, Joseph 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Billah and the sons of Ziphah. 
It's now Israel, that's Jacob. He loved Joseph more than all the other children, all of his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many, many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the others, they hated him. And get this, they could not speak peaceably to him. said could not. It didn't say that they would not, that they didn't want to. It said they could not. You know, you got to look at Joseph, you know, the back up a little bit. His brothers, they're, we can take it, they're a rough group. Um, their sister had gone through some time, you know, in previous chapters, her sister had gone through some trials, and they just, you can imagine a big group of brothers. They're, they got to be some rough, they're probably some rough ruffians. It says they could not speak peaceably. When I hear that word could not, it kind of leads me to believe that there's something acting on their behalf other than them. There's a spirit behind that. Sometimes there can be a, a bad spirit within us. You want to do something. You want to be right. You want to be good. But there can be spirits that just seem like they get a hold of you, and that would not become to a could not. You just feel like you're so overwhelmed you've got no control because that's what Satan does. If you leave him one little hole, he will step in and he will get a hold of it and he will take you for everything he can. He will turn your would nots into could nots. Now, Joseph, he had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Shall we indeed reign? Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have domination over us? So they hated him even more. Then he had another dream. So he said to his father and his brothers, His father rebuked him. Because this dream says this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars. So now it's just not just the 11 brothers, but now it's the mother and father that God showed him in this dream that they're going to bow down to him. And we can see from our fleshy perspective how everybody could take that wrong and take offense to that, especially the, from the youngest brother. You know, I am the youngest in my family, but I do know and I've talked to several that, you know, that they are the older ones and, you know, they struggle with that. You know, the younger brother, the, the younger siblings, they get more slack in their lives. You know, mom and dad's not as hard on them. So we can see where this bitterness can come from. But the father, he rebuked Joseph. One day the brothers were out, and the father sends Joseph out to find them. The brothers, they conspire. They want to kill him, but the older brother, Reuben, says, no, let's don't kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit. He's going to come back and save him, but that plan doesn't work either. And the, uh, <clears throat> While they throw him in the pit, some people come along and they sell him. And we're going to pick up in verse in chapter 39. It's kind of, we're going to skip chapter 38. It's kind of funny how this whole story, almost 10 chapters long, almost all revolves around Joseph, but there's one chapter right here that's dedicated to one brother. Other than him, it doesn't give you a lot of details, but it's just a weird little side note there. Chapter 39 says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, 
and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the bought him from the Ishmaelites and had taken him down there. Verse two: The Lord was with Joseph. We're talking about somebody that was just betrayed by his own brothers, thrown into a pit, and then was bought by some people from another nation. And it says the first thing. The very next sentence is, the Lord was with him. Does that sound like somebody that the Lord's with from what he just went through? It sounds like a rough road to me. So the Lord was with Joseph, and he was, he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight. And served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under the authority. So it was from that time that he had made that he had made that the overseer. I cannot read this morning. That the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sakes, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. The Lord was with Joseph. Have you guys ever heard the term guilty by association? I'll tell you what. When you're patient and you're waiting, when you're not fighting against the detour that God puts you in, and you keep trusting God with everything that you know to trust him with, God can turn that around. This Egyptian master, he became blessed by association. He was blessed because the Lord was with Joseph. Church, when you're going through whatever it is that we go through from day to day, and it seems like there is no sight, there is no end, when you trust in the Lord, we have no idea what all God's doing, not only to us and in us, but around us. When you're still giving God glory, when your life still shows that you're trusting in the Lord, others will be blessed around you. God, your detour may not just be for you. Your detour can be used to bless others. We see it time and time and again. We all go through them, but I'm telling you, the detour does not last forever. So Joseph had this dream that he was going to rule. And then all of a sudden he hits a detour. He gets traded off by his family. Now things are looking up again. Egyptians, you know, he's got rule of this Egyptian's house. The Lord's blessing everything that he does. Then in verse 7 through verse 20, we see here he goes on another detour. The master of the house, his wife, she comes to him. She tries to, to lure him in. Joseph doesn't go for it, though. But even though he doesn't, she just sets a complete trap for him. And out of this whole ordeal, Joseph does nothing wrong, but he gets thrown in prison. Verse 20 says, Joseph's master took him out and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But verse 21 says, but the Lord. 
Everybody say, but the Lord. Those are three words right there that can change your life. Those three words can turn around any situation, any circumstance, any valley can be brought high, any mountain can be brought down, any circumstance can be changed by those three words, but the Lord. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. This guy seems like he gets the shaft every time he turns around. But it says the Lord is steadily with him. You guys know the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you? Never. Philippians 1, 6, I believe it is. He says, he that began a good work in you will complete it until the day that Jesus comes. So if you started out, if you gave your... If you have trusted your life with Jesus, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's began a good work in you. That good work will not stop until the day the Lord comes. He will continue to carry it out in your life. Walk it out and trust it. Chapter 40. Verse 1 says, it came to pass over these things that Egypt offended their Lord and the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. Get this. And he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined to the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man dreamed in one night, and each man's dream his own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them, and he saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? This is a man that got betrayed by his brothers, got sold, got through a lie, he's in prison to begin with. He's got plenty to be worried about. He's got plenty to be down about. He's got plenty to be pouting about. But he says, why are you sad today? That's the heart that God looks for. That's what it means to wait on God. It doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing. It means you still do everything you can Everything that you know to do to give him glory, regardless of the circumstance. To be a servant. To lift those up around you. To give him glory. To praise him. To worship him. That's what it means to wait on the Lord. Not run 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. So it comes out, Joseph interprets these guys' dreams. The way they interpret them, they both come true. I'm going to skip down to verse 14 of chapter 40. 
But he says one thing when he's talking to the baker. Joseph says he's got a bit of a hope. Once again, he's in prison. These guys come to him. He tells them their dreams. says, but remember me when it, is, when it is well with you. And please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they could put me into this dungeon. So he's got a hope. Remember me, he says. He's built back up. He's thinking he's going to get out of here. Then he hits another detour. Verse 23 says, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. You ever feel like you've had a just an inch of hope been shown to you? Looks like you're going to come out of it. Looks like the situation's going to turn around. But then all of a sudden it just doesn't happen. Feels like God's forgot about you. Chapter 41 says that it came to pass at the end of two at the end of two full years. That behold, Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows. Let me skip down to verse 14. The Pharaoh had this dream, and the Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. The baker finally does remember Joseph. He tells the Pharaoh about him. So the Pharaoh calls to Joseph and says, I have a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said to you, Heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Verse 16, hold on to this one. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me, but God. But God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Through all this, Joseph still knows that God is with him. Joseph still believes that God is at work. He still believes that God can provide miracles. He still trusts that God can provide his way out. Hold on, church. Hold on in your circumstance. God is with you. He has not forgot you. He will bring you out. Wait on the Lord. Trust his way matter how hard it is he knows he just knows he knows a better way he's got the whole picture he can see the whole map he knows the best route for us to get there Then Joseph, verse 17, then Joseph, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream, I stood on the bank of a river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt. Such ugliness I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven. When they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them. For they were just as ugly as the beginning. They were just as ugly as they were in the first place. <laughs> also, I saw them in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk. 
full of good. Then behold, seven heads withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And then thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. No one. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven good years. The seven thin and ugly cows are seven bad years. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, the seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. The dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man. Remember last time we said wisdom and patience go hand in hand. In all you're getting and understanding, get wisdom. Wise, wisdom and patience go hand in hand. So here's that way out. Joseph's been waiting on his wisdom, his trust, his faith in the Lord. Verse 39, the Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be the one over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee, so he set him over all the land. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath, and he gave him a wife, Asenath, and daughter of Potiphereth, priest of On. So Joseph went over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old. How old was he when he had the first dream? 17. Now he's 30. So there's 13 years so far that Joseph's been in the detours. 13 years since God showed him a grand vision, and it's still yet not come to full fruition. Down to verse 51, Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph still hasn't forgot what's got him along the way. He still knows that God is with him. He still knows that God has worked. He's still giving God the glory. He names his kids on God's glory, on what God has done for him. He named his kids on that. He's never forgotten through all this mess that God is still pulling for him. Verse 56, the famine was over all. They went, they went through the seven years now. Now the famine comes on. 
So he's at 13 years, right? Now we know he's went through the seven good years. 13 and 7 is what? 20 years now. They've still been on the same detour, basically. Chapter 42. Chapters 42, 43, and 44, they all kind of sum up the famine hits. Jacob sends all the rest of the brothers to Egypt because that's where all, you know, that was part of the dream that whenever Joseph stepped in, he took over Egypt, that Egypt was going to be plentiful. So Joseph sends all of his boys to come to Egypt so they can buy grain, they can buy everything they need and bring it back. So when the brothers come in, can you imagine the situation there when he sees his brothers, the ones that sold him? Can you, could you let that go? Some of the smallest things we can't let go. Somebody just says one little thing that we take out of context and we can't let it go. But this guy, for 20 years, has dwelled on the fact of and known in the back of his mind what his brothers have done to him, and he finally sees them face to face. But he doesn't give himself up to them yet. He doesn't reveal himself. He does maybe pick on them just a little bit, and he calls them spies. Uh, when he does, he keeps one brother in prison, and he sends the rest of them back. All the brothers except one, let me back up a little bit. All the brothers but one came to Egypt, and that was the youngest brother, Benjamin. Jacob didn't want to send Benjamin because he was next to the favorite besides Joseph because they were the two sons of his old age. He said, I've already lost one son. I'm not going to lose another, so I'm keeping this one close by. But whenever they get their grain and Joseph sends them back, he keeps one man in prison. He says, now do this. I want you to go back and get your younger brother. Prove to me that you're not spies. Go back and get your younger brother and bring him back. So they go back. I get to sum kind of all that up. Eventually he gets all of his brothers, sees his dad, everything's going good. Chapter 45, 1 through 8. And Joseph, this is the second time the brothers come back. It says, Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. No one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. They could not believe that this was the brother they sold. Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God, everybody say, for God, sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years of the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. 
and God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. So now we can see the full truth of this dream that there was no conceit in Jacob's heart, in Joseph's heart. He wasn't just trying to raise himself up over his brothers and say, I'm better than you. This we can see firsthand. We know for sure that this is God's plan. It was never Joseph's. It's not you who sent me, but God. There's so much power in those two words, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. 17 years old at the first dream. He was 30 years old. We talked about and seven years of famine. Now we're two years into the 22 years went by from the time that Joseph had this dream and the time that it came to full fruition when his brothers knew the reality of that dream. And that God's plan was finally seen. But Joseph never wavered, he still served. He still blessed others by his association. You skip over to chapter 50, verse 20. It's towards the end of the story. And he says, Along the same lines again, says, but as for you, he's talking to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Church, somebody can come at you full on, whether it's their own account or if there's a spirit beyond them, but God can use anything and everything for good to those who love him. He just knows. 22 years Joseph went through that. David was pretty well the same way. Approximately 22 years even that David went. He was 15, from the, it was 15 years from his first anointing from Samuel to become king over Judah. Then another seven years to become king over all Israel. So 22 years that David waited from the first time that he was anointed. There's a lot of detours in his life. Noah, the minimum estimation of building the ark was 55 years. That's the minimum estimation they could come up with. They spent building the ark. Can you imagine waiting on the Lord? A minimum of 55. He was already in his 500s. And now he's waiting 55 more years building this massive ark. Psalm 105.19. If you could bring that for me real quick, Brody. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. 
Another version says tested. The Lord tested Joseph. The Lord tests us sometimes. But you've got to trust that he knows. Those of you parents out there and you've got kids that went through the driving stage, when they turn 16, you don't automatically just throw them in a car and let them go. There's a little bit of a testing stage there. Bad things can happen. Even though everything's arranged, they've got their license, they're legal, you don't just turn them loose in a situation that they're not ready for. If you're on a detour, you may not be ready for the situation that you're going to come against. God's still testing you. He's still preparing you for what you got to do. Trust the destination. Trust the detour. There's a legal age of inheritance. When you get an inheritance, you don't give a 13-year-old a thousand, a million dollars and just and let them go with it. There's an age of accountability there. Number one, they got to be mature to handle it. Number two, they got to be mature enough to protect it. If somebody gets their inheritance before they're when they're too young, you won't believe the wolves that are going to come in from the family that's going to try to run and take over that inheritance. But we've got a we've got a barrier that's set in place. God's got a barrier for our inheritance. We may not be ready, we may not be mature enough yet to walk it out and protect it. So God's still working on us. God's still detouring us around a few things, getting us ready. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Second Peter 3, 9. His promise, as some count slackness, but his long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. There's a blessing on the end of your wait. I know waiting on the Lord can be hard. But you know, he's waiting on us. He's been waiting on us. He was on a throne. But he stepped down here with us for 33 years. Can you imagine what detour that must have been? To be taken off that and to come down here with us? There was an estimated 15 hours from the betrayal kiss to the cross. Can you imagine the wait in those 15 hours? Of what he went through. Another six hours on the cross. Three days in the tomb. And he hasn't stopped yet. He's still waiting on us. He's still waiting for a glorious church. He's still waiting as long as he can for as many people that will trust in him to come to him. He doesn't not doesn't want one. Not one to perish. He's waiting for us to get it together. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He never faints nor is weary. His understanding is searchable. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. 
But those who wait on the Lord, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He's not through. He's not done. The detour is not going to last forever. God is still with you. God is still at work. God is still going to prepare miracles. There's a blessing on the other side of your weight. There's a blessing at the end of your detour. Don't give it up. Don't give it up, church. Lord, I just thank you. I give you praise and I give you glory. I honor you, Father. I pray that just, Lord, that people's hearts will be softened. Lord, I pray that you just speak to any of us that may be going through a weight in our life. Let us trust it, Father. Let us believe that your plan is far better than our plan. Give us the strength to not murmur, to not complain, to not kick against your will, Father, but to trust your detour in our lives. I give you praise and I give you glory. We just love you and we honor you, Lord Jesus. Have your way. Lord, let us be thankful for the path that you have for us. When our plans get wrecked, Lord, let us be thankful. Let us find you in them. Oh, I give you praise. I give you glory. Just thank you so much. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, be with us as we go out. Be with each and every individual, Lord. I pray that we will become blessings by association during our time of wait. Lord, let those around us be blessed. We just thank you so much, and I give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.